All right, let's just do this before I say any more random stuff. <sighs> random stuff is what this podcast is all about. Indeed. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. You're Kai Rizdahl, and I'm Kimberly oh, Adams. Thank sorry. you, everyone. Did I, did I literally? Sorry. Okay. So what happened was, all right. So first of all, did I really forget to identify myself? I Number think two, you did. Uh, at this point, do I have to on this podcast? Don't people know who I am? But also number three, both dogs came into the shed right at that moment, and Bonds just came in and like curled up on her bed, which she never does without sniffing around. And Willie came in and grabbed the tennis ball from when she was here at the six fifteen meeting this morning. So there was a lot going on. There was a lot of canine involvement, and I apologize. <laughs> a lot of action. A lot of action. Okay. Whew, well, sorry. great way to start. I'm Kimberly, <laughs> and we appreciate everyone surviving this far into the show because it's Wednesday. We are halfway through the week, and clearly, it's it's like it's it's oh weighing God. on us. Um, oh but yeah, it's September the twentieth, and we are all going to be fine. <laughs> we are. We're all going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. Yes. Uh, but that is not necessarily what the news says. Why don't you go first, and then I'll go second. Okay. So I've got sort of one of these shot and chaser type deals. This The first one is a story I saw in Politico a couple of days ago about a chat bot that has been developed. And it's a little bit of a, a PR stunt to sort of sell yet another AI technology. But... There is a chatbot from this project called Chat 20, 2024, and it has, I'm reading from Politico, soft launch a multi-candidate platform, a slick Silicon Valley venture-backed, va- venture-backed version of what has so far been a set of lighthearted experiments. And so basically, it's AI-powered avatars of 17 leading presidential candidates. Each of the chatbots is trained on reams of data generated from at least 100 sources, like candidates' video appearances, writings, and users can query these bots individually and ask the same question of all 17 at once, set two of them against each other in one-on-one debates directed by user input. Right. So Politico mm-hmm. tested out this bot and, and found it, it held up all right and seemed to relatively well uh, recommend respond as if the candidates were responding, which mm-hmm. could be a really interesting way for people to interact with candidates' ideas in 2024, assuming it is accurate, uh, which we cannot. We know with chatbots. But, you know, if you have something like so much information about what candidates have said on policies. It's reasonable that if you train an AI on that data set, you might be able to get, you know, a reasonable representation of where a candidate stands on something to a specific Mm -hmm. question. Um, I wonder if they will, if the AI can accurately capture the dodges, though. Well, right. It's the spin and the flim flammering and the answering the question you want to answer instead of the question that was actually asked, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So um, I haven't Mm -hmm. tried it out myself, but I I think it's fascinating. So to follow up on that is something from back in August, which is, you know, I love me some Federal Register. Um, The Federal Election (laughs) Commission (laughs) has a... uh, (laughs) A notice of availability of a petition for rulemaking, um, which is basically where the federal government. <laughs> it's, I know it's so, so weird. Wait, say it again. It's a notice of availability notice? for proposed federal rulemaking. Do I have that right? 
No, it's a notice of availability oh. of a petition for rulemaking. <laughs> and a petition for rulemaking is basically when a public citizen um, puts out uh, okay, let me just read this. This is from the Supplementary in, in Information in the Federal Register. On July 13, 2023, the Commission received a petition for rulemaking from, from Public Citizen, a nonprofit advocacy organization. Mm -hmm. The petition asked the Commission to amend its regulation on fraudulent misrepresentation to clarify that the restrictions and penalties of the law and the Code of Regulations are applicable should candidates or their agents fraudulently misrepresent other candidates or political parties through deliberately false artificial intelligence generated content oh, in huh. campaign ads or other communications. This is a um, advocacy group asking the federal government for the love of God, please make a rule saying <laughs> candidates can't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so gotcha. the bureaucracy grinds on right, and right. there is, it's open for public comment until uh, October the 16th. Now, is there any reasonable expectation that rules about this will be done in time for the election? Doubtful. Um, no. But there's a process for it. And if anybody wants to weigh in, federalregister.gov, and we'll have a link in the show wow. notes. <laughs> wow. And you took, it's, it's almost disturbing how much glee you took in that. But, but okay. I'm sorry. Oh, because, like, you know, no, there are so many aspects of government that we just have to shake our heads at and just be like, man, yeah. and, and leave it alone and just, you know, we're going to end up talking about the government shutdown sooner mm -hmm. rather than later. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we kind of just have to throw our hands up in the air and be like, well, Congress, what do you do? But with yeah. this kind of stuff, it's like, well, here's what you do. We are worried about AI and its role in elections. Do they have to take people's comments seriously? Do they have to incorporate them into rulemaking? No, but you can at least try. <laughs> right, right, man. Uh, okay, so mine, I almost put mine in the, in the smile section, but then I didn't because I think it speaks to something larger. So I don't, I don't even know how to say this with a straight face. There has been a conspiracy movement afoot on the social medias and in the wider internet for the past number of days, the John Fetterman, the junior senator from the great state of Pennsylvania, actually the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, who, as many people know, had a stroke during his campaign, was uh, self-admitted to the hospital for severe depression after he got to uh, uh, the Senate with, you know, lingering effects of that stroke and, and challenges he was having. So he now uh, apparently is doing way better with uh, his speech, with his comprehension of what things are uh, being said to him and his ability to respond. So, so that's all positive. But there is now a movement afoot by conspiracy theorists out there that Fetterman has been replaced in the Senate of the United States with a body double. Now, if it were me or Chuck Schumer or almost any other person on the planet, that would be plausible. But John Fetterman is six feet, eight inches tall. 
He is perhaps the most distinctive-looking person in America, if not the world. He is hulking. He is bald. He is lumbering. He wears Carhartt uh, shirts and pants and shorts on the floor of the Senate now which because he can, he can now wear, which is a whole—it's uh, a whole other thing. And I just—it is—and and I say this w- w- trying not to be pejorative, but it is detached from reality to think that he has been replaced by a body double. You can't find him. Maybe you could. I don't know. The Washington Post did a great analysis of this and how rare a physical specimen he is, right? At 6'8", 270, <laughs> like, like vanishingly small, you know, like 14th decimal like place percentages of people on the planet look like him. Anyway, so I, I was going to put that and then make me smile because it is kind of funny. It's kind of ridiculous. But it also speaks to a larger... People are willing to believe things that are just outlandish, which gets us back to much of what is happening in this country. And say no more, say no more. But I just, it, 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 I just can't with this. It's, we have to have some common understanding of reality. <sighs> which is going to be a lot harder with very convincing with AI <laughs> images. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Very nice turn. I, I, it works Very sometimes, nice but it does. This right. is, anyway. you know, the, there's there's a need. There's a need here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there is. I, yeah. and we are going to be having a lot more conversations between now and Election yeah. Day about what yeah. people choose to believe and what they are led to yeah. believe. Yeah. That's exactly right. And who leads them down that path. And I, th- I think that's going to be a bigger part of the national conversation, not necessarily what is true, but what we make true to ourselves. Kimberly Adams with the sensible follow up and encapsulation <laughs> of my what is this? This is crazy comment. Anyway, well, I mean, I was on, on here the other day, like, how do we lose a plane? And you explain. Well, that. So we balance. That's true. That's true. That's <laughs> OK, true. let's smile. I have been holding on to this since Monday. <laughs> because <laughs> okay, go ahead. That's why I was so disappointed to not have my smile on Monday after our, our deep, dark conversation about the state of the democracy. Anyway, my story is about Santa. And don't worry, parents, you can keep listening. So uh, as of uh, September the 18th, I believe. Yes. As of September the 18th, the USPS is accepting letters to Santa, and not just Santa in general, but specifically to something that I didn't even know existed, which is called Operation Santa. So there's an actual address that um, parents or children, children ideally, I think, can send a letter to, and the letters are going to be uploaded to USPSOperationSanta.com, the website, and then people can go online and choose to fulfill people's Christmas wishes. Nice. And like get get the gifts for people who might, you know, be struggling this holiday season. And so that website is open for letter adoption on November 20th. Um, but the letters to Santa need to be postmarked by December 11th. And so if you or you know somebody who might be, you know, struggling a little bit with the Christmas list this year mm-hmm. if that is the holiday you celebrate this is a thing that exists and i didn't know it it's a 111 year old program run by the postal service and i just think that's really 
nice that, that cool. people go out of their way to, you know, make somebody's wishes come true. I think that's lovely. That'd be cool. That made me smile. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. What uh, is yours? All right. My, mine, mine's a little less uh, uh, nice and... and uh, heartwarming. Uh, you know, heartwarming. Good. Thank you for that. There is an amazing piece in Bloomberg... Um, it's a piece about data journalism and visual journalism and, oh, that's what's going on. So, so the good people at Bloomberg who, who have the stick to to figure this out got to looking into why, uh, wait times at Starbucks are long for a third of people. Now it's more than five minutes to, you know, basically get a fancy cup of coffee and what they have discovered by doing, (gasps) actually doing the legwork is that if you order a cafe latte, at Starbucks, there are, and I am not making this number up, 383,201,280,000 possible drinks that can be made between pumps and squirts and half-calves and sweeteners and all of those different things. 383 billion versions. Now, the amazing part of this is that that's a real operational challenge for Starbucks because people go in there and they, if they see they have to wait for coffee, right? They're like, forget it. I'll just get someplace, something someplace else. And so wait times are up. So the company is now spending billions of dollars to get that wait time down, including and up to using starting to use smaller ice cubes because they are easier to scoop. It's like an operations analysis problem. It's a customer flow problem. It's super interesting, and it's not a long piece. We'll this put it in the show notes. This chart is but it's astonishing. Really, really it's crazy, isn't it? Isn't it wild? This- yeah. This chart is, I mean, like I, yeah, I just kept scrolling and I was like, oh my gosh, oh yep. wow, there, there's more to yep. it. Um, we yeah, had some uh, people from USA Facts come into the DC Bureau like last week and they brought this entire book of just like infographics and charts oh, and yeah. details Good and stuff, facts right? about America. So fat. And it, well, we were just looking at pictures for like hours after yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway. Kind of wild. Yeah. Numbers are amazing. Okie dokie. That's it. Uh, Yes, that is it for us today. It's been a weird one. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. Both of us way more in tune with like life, I think. Um, But in the meantime, keep sending your thoughts, questions, suggestions, uh, smiles, because we're often searching for them, to us. We are at 508UBSmart. We are also at MakeMeSmart at Marketplace.org. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Drew Jostat. Our intern is Neil Farshabandi. Ben Tolliday and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. And Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. And there we go. And there we go. Oh, yeah.